Thank you so much uh, for being here today. Thank you for coming right in and entering into worship. Today is our um, fourth birthday as a church. It's been four years, but uh, you know, after four lockdowns, it's felt like four decades. It has been quite an adventure, but here's the thing. God is good, and he's faithful, and he brings his promises to pass, and he put in our heart uh, the planting of this church. But the truth is the story, uh, the story of North Place and the story of God's heart for revival and for moving in the city of Durban is, is bigger than us. It's beyond us. It's greater than us. Long before we ever even existed, God by his spirit was moving in this city. Uh, this city has a tremendous history of God moving by his spirit on the city. And we're simply one small part of what God desires to do in this city. And we understand that. And, and our heart here at North Place is to simply join in to the chorus of what God desires to do in bringing life and transformation to this city. We believe that while he put this in our heart to plant this church, that he's moving all across this city. And, and we simply want to be a part of that. But we are clear. We know who we are as North Place. We know what North Place is all about from our beginning. It's been very clear that North Place is a Christ-centered, disciple-making community expressing itself through compassion. This is exactly who we are. This is what we are all about. We are a, commu a community of people who've been gathered by the goodness of Christ, and we've been gathered so that we could, through Christ, express ourselves through, through compassion across this city. We say it all the time. It's short and sweet. We are a disciple-making community. That's who we are, amen? Ah, you act like you don't believe it. We are a disciple-making community, amen? Yeah. That's what we are. The Bible is clear. You know, a, a lot of churches and ministries, and you even get down to individual believers, they all have their different things that they become, compa that they become passionate about, different expressions of ministry, different types of ministry. But no matter who you are, no matter where you are in the body of Christ, no matter what kind of church you are, there's one thing that is clear. Jesus, Matthew chapter 28, has called all of us to make disciples. Hello? Come on, there's a lot of you in this room this morning. It cannot be this quiet. Jesus has called us to make disciples. If you're all passionate about healing, that's wonderful. Pray for the sick and see them healed. But Jesus has made, called us to make disciples. If you love prophecy, praise the Lord, prophesy. But Jesus has called us to make disciples. If you love digging deep into the word and you're all into teaching, fantastic, that's wonderful, that's a part of what we do. But Jesus has called us all, no matter who we are, red, yellow, black, and white, no matter what label is on the sign of your church, Jesus has called us all to make disciples. That's who we are, that's what we do, and that's what we're about at North Place Church. You know, as I have been leading up to this, uh, this day it's been so exciting to look at what all's going on and um, getting ready for you being here today and getting ready for this moment. It's been incredible. It's been exciting. For Desiree and I, this is, this is a dream come true day for us. When we 
uh, landed in Durban a little over five years ago. We didn't know anybody. Uh, we just knew that God had called us to do this. And this was in our heart, but we knew this was in the heart of God, even bigger and beyond us. And he had been building towards this moment, and we were just going to join into the course of what was already happening. But as we've been approaching this day, it's been so exciting thinking about uh, all of you thinking about what the Lord has been doing in your life, what the Lord has done in our life over the last several years. And, but, I, but I can tell you, for, for me, I, I don't know if this happens to you, but for me, sometimes when, when I'm getting to a dream come true moment, to a place where something big and awesome and incredible is happening that I've been dreaming for or working toward or, or believe God has called me to, I, I don't know about you, but for me, sometimes I can... It's, it's weird, this exciting thing is happening or about to happen, but instead of being able to really enjoy it and be excited about it, I almost like this, there's this malaise that just starts to come over me, right? I start to feel like, mm, I'm not sure that, that I, that's really for me. Do I really deserve this? Anybody ever struggle with that? Am I really good enough for that? Have I really, have I really been faithful? Have I, do I really deserve God to do this in my life? And, and I, I'm going to be honest with you, over the last couple of weeks, it's been, it's been so exciting, and I've been so excited, but it's almost, like, it's almost like a split personality situation. In one moment, I'm like, woo! And another moment, I'm kind of like, oh, man, what if I mess this up? Am I sure that God really picked the right guy for this? And you know, it's crazy because it's uncanny the way that I see the pattern of the enemy of our soul, talking about the devil, because it almost seems like that pattern is always there, right? God speaks to you. He wants to do something in your life. He calls you to himself. He, he calls you to something great and wonderful, and you're moving toward this thing that you've always wanted, and yet there's that whisper in your ear. Hello? Oh, you're not good enough, you don't deserve it, or you're sure you're qualified for that. Wouldn't there be somebody better? What about this mistake? What about this failure? What about this fault in your personality? Come on, a few of you are nodding your head. You're making me feel better about myself because it's not just me. Right? And the, it's like the pattern of the enemy is always there. It happens over and over and over again. It's interesting because you you see in Scripture that that's exactly the way the enemy has worked in the heart of man over and over and over again. But here's the good news for every one of us in this morning. What the gospel teaches us is that Jesus, Jesus himself, specializes in legitimizing those whom others would leave out and more importantly, who the enemy would delegitimize. That's who Jesus is. That's what he specializes in. When you read the Bible, when you read the gospel, when you read the word of God, and even the story of God revealing himself to humanity, you see that over and over and over again. The enemy delegitimizing someone, and yet God coming along and saying, uh-uh, you're my son, you're my daughter, I chose you. Yeah, I know you've got those bumps and bruises. Yeah, I know you've made those mistakes. Yeah, I know that you've been in Egypt. I know you where you've come from, but I love you just the way you are. I choose you just the way you are. I bring you into relationship with me in spite of what have happened in your life. Well, 
I've been, I've been encouraged over the last couple of weeks, even though I've struggled with, man, am I the right person? I, 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 am I the right one that's going to lead this church into the next season, the next place? And, and the thing is, is the enemy is always there to tell me I'm not. But every time the enemy's there to tell me I'm not, the Holy Spirit is there to remind me just who I am as a child of God. Jesus, on 13 different occasions in the Gospels, you see it, and I would encourage you, read the Gospels. It's a, great, it's a great growing experience for you. During your daily 20, if you don't know where to start in the Bible, read the Gospels. On 13 different occasions, Jesus said these words to people. He said, follow me. And I love reading those times, those episodes in Scripture where Jesus turned to people and said, follow me. Because when I read those episodes, I read the story of people who others wouldn't have necessarily chosen. In fact, there are others, others would have left them out or disqualified them. And yet Jesus looked at the prostitute. He looked at the tax collector. He looked at the terrorist. He looked at the zealot. He looked at the one that others would reject. And he said to them, follow me. Those who the enemy would disqualify, those who the religious would disqualify, Jesus called. Jesus seemed to specialize in a diverse group of people when it came to following him. He seemed to specialize in finding the rejects and the setbacks and those who others wanted nothing to do with. Jesus said, come follow me. And if you get nothing else out of today, I, you're going to get a t-shirt before you leave. And whew, that's awesome. Just like this. Isn't it cool? It says, follow me. You're going to get a piece of cake. Wow, what an amazing cake. You're going to get ice cream and samosas and all kinds of stuff. But in spite of all of that, if you get nothing else out of today, I want you to get this. Hear the words of Jesus. Follow me. Maybe you're like me. When you hear those words, maybe immediately what comes to mind are all of your problems and all of your mistakes and all of the things that disqualify you. But hear the words of Jesus anyways. Follow me. Just the way you are. In your brokenness, in your mess, in whatever may be the state or situation of your life, Jesus looks at you and he loves you and he calls you. Pastor Andy's not making that up. It is the testimony of scripture. It is the story of the prostitute that he called. It is the story of the terrorist that he called. It is the story of the social outcast, the tax collector, the turncoat that he called. It is the story of scripture in which Jesus looked at people just like you and I and he loved us in spite of ourselves. As that just begins to settle in the room, the enemy is right there. No, you can't. No, now's not the right time. No, you're not qualified. You can't do it. You can't follow him. The enemy wants to do everything he can to stop us from surrendering to Jesus. He wants to do everything he can to disqualify us and delegitimizing us. I don't think I've ever told this story publicly before. I think I've only told it to a couple of people. Um, when we were getting ready to launch North Place Church, I don't really know how it happened. I'm not exactly sure how it happened. 
Um, but I was invited onto a radio show of a radio station that's right here in Strong. In fact, they meet right up, uh, right up the road here. I don't remember exactly how the pieces all came together for me to go uh, be on that radio show. I remember, I don't remember the host's name, but I remember her because she had been a former contestant on um, Survivor South Africa. So I thought that was pretty cool because I'm a pretty big Survivor fan. So I was a little starstruck to go in, and she was going to interview me and talk about the launch of the church. It was the week before the launch of the church. And so I was excited. I went in, and um, we're doing this interview, and it's going, it's going cool. We're having good rapport. We're on the radio. Everything's going great. And then all of a sudden, we're coming to the end of the interview, and the lady's like, okay, now we're going to take questions from the callers. I've never done that before. So that'll be cool. I thought, okay, I wasn't expecting it. I wasn't prepared for it. But yeah, okay, let's do it. And all of a sudden she starts, people start calling in on the WhatsApp line and all this stuff. And about two or three callers in, all of a sudden this guy comes on and he starts like this. I don't have a question. I just have a statement to make. I'm going to give you a life tip. When anything starts with, I don't have a question, I just have a statement to make, you're in trouble. I don't know if you've ever worked with people before, but when their approach to you is, I don't want to hear what you have to say, I just want you to hear what I have to say, you got a problem. And so I knew I was, bet I better brace myself. And my, my friend, this guy, he just starts in, all of a sudden he is like, you know what? We do not need your white Christianity from America here in Africa. In Africa, we have our own spirituality, so you might as well go home. Click. I didn't have a chance to respond. But the truth is, I don't know if I, I was dumbstruck. I didn't know what to say with this. We just had this great conversation, this rapport. We had done all this work to launch this church, and this brother just came on and told me, we don't want you, we don't need you, go home. You talk about feeling unwanted, unneeded, undesired, and disqualified. That's exactly, that's exactly how I felt in that moment. But here's what, here's what I walked away from that conversation that day, it really wasn't a conversation, it was a uh, set of instructions from my new friend. Here's what I walked away from, I, I walked away not upset, not angry, not offended, I, I walked away really, really understanding that we have an enemy of our soul who hates us. John 10 and 10 tells us the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, he hates you. And he hates me, and he wants to do everything he can to destroy us. My friend that called in that day, and I call him friend because I, I truly do believe it. My friend that called in that day, he wasn't lashing out at me. He was lashing out at hurt and pain and colonialism and stuff from his life that had nothing to do with me. He was lashing out at a lie. A lie that he had bought into and believed that, first of all, that Christianity was a Western religion. 
everyone in this room knows history, knows that Christianity wasn't started in the West. It was started in, in the Middle East and in North Africa, right? You all know history, right? And every one of us in this room know that some of the earliest converts to Christianity, all you have to do is read Acts chapter 6, is, is from North Africa. Hello, the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. Right, you remember that story. What I really wish is I really wish I could have that dude in front of me right now and I could tell him, my brother, I'm sorry for what has happened to you. I'm sorry for the way Christianity and spirituality has been presented to you. But the truth is the gospel isn't from the West, first of all. And second of all, the truth is, is it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. Jesus looks at us, every one of us, and he says, follow me. In the book of Acts chapter 6, I want to read verses 30 through 38 to you. I want to read the story of that Ethiopian eunuch to you because, as I mentioned, this is one of the first converts that we see in the New Testament church. One of second generation, really, leaders of the church named Philip responds to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit tells him, Philip, I want you to, I want you to go south. Some people uh, don't, don't do well with ambiguity. How would you like it if the Lord just said, hey, go get on the road and go south? That's how the church was started, by the way. So all of you thought it was crazy what we were doing around here, and you're like, I don't even know what's happening next week. How would have you liked it if the Lord would have just said, hey, get up and go south? Because that's how he started the church. He said, Philip, get up and go south. And we start reading in Acts chapter 6, verse 30 through 38, as Philip has responded. This is what the Bible says. Then Philip ran up to a chariot. He's going south. He sees a chariot parked along the road. Ran up to the chariot and heard the man, some man inside the chariot, reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you're reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. Everybody notice that word eunuch. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. This is talking about Jesus. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came up to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can I, what can stand in the way of me being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. One of the first converts that we see to Christianity post the ascension of Christ is this Ethiopian eunuch. He's from North Africa. He's this eunuch. And if you know what a eunuch is, we all know what a eunuch is, right? We're going to try to keep a PG in here, but we all know what a eunuch is, right? Some of us are all like, oh, what are we going to do with uh, gender dysphoria in the world today? Hello, this isn't a new issue. Here is a guy that was utterly marginalized from a Jewish perspective. He had no sexual identity. He was not a Jew. He was an Ethiopian. He certainly wasn't white. He was all of these things outside of the margin of who a Jewish man, of who Philip should be talking to, much less presenting the gospel to. And yet that's exactly who the Lord brought him upon that day. And Philip didn't. 
reject that individual because of all of the things that pushed him to the margins or disqualified him based on religion. Instead, Philip responded to the Holy Spirit. He responded to the leading of the Lord, to this person of peace who was in this moment. And what did he do? He shared the gospel with him. Philip echoed the words that were later taught by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. He echoed the command or, the, or the, the, the response to what Jesus told us in Matthew 28 when Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. So in the same way that Jesus 13 times in the gospel looked at people and said, follow me, we see Philip, a second generation believer, following in the pattern and saying to somebody else, follow me as I follow Christ. And then Paul says to the church as it starts to expand around the world I will be a disciple maker as I have been discipled follow me as I follow Christ when Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 28 to go and make disciples what he was telling us is that we should be people who make disciples and that's exactly who we are at North Place that's what we're all about the sad reality is, though, that for many of us, we've been Christians for a very long time. But if we were to be really honest, we've never made a disciple. Hello? We go to church, we go through the motions, we do the stuff, we're touched, we're blessed, we enjoy what the Lord is doing in our life. But the very basic command of Jesus in Matthew chapter 28 to all of us, many of us have never lived that out. And the truth is... The reason that many of us have never lived that house is because many of us have never been trained to be disciples ourselves. Pastor Joel is coming right now and he's going to begin to share with us some exciting things that we have happening here at North Place Church because we are a disciple-making community. We believe that everyone in this room has the right and has the freedom to be discipled as a follower of Jesus, but not only to be discipled, but to become a disciple makers. Pastor Joel. Thanks, Pastor Randy. Well, I'm just so excited to see you all here today. I've been living for this moment for, for months. In fact, since we came to North Place uh, well over a year ago, Pastor Randy has invited us to consider how to develop a way to make disciples who make disciples. And so today we're very excited. I hope that you're comfortable here today in terms of being welcome. But perhaps as we talk about this, maybe you're uncomfortable. Think about those first disciples. I, 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 we preach this in Matthew chapter 4. They were going about their ordinary everyday lives. Peter and Andrew were fishermen. James and John were fishermen. James and John worked with their father. And yet this man walked along the lake and he interrupted their ordinary everyday life. They didn't have it easy. They didn't have a lot of margin in terms of time, money, or energy. And yet this man walked up to them, one, one of the groups in front of their father, their boss, and said, hey, follow me. That's an incredible invitation. There's power in that invitation. But I would point out to you, the power of the invitation was not that Jesus extended it, because he extended it to everyone, just like Pastor Randy said, even to the most marginalized and the most, most un, un, unlikely person, an Ethiopian eunuch, who was just riding by. That's not the power of the invitation. That's Jesus. That's the character of a God who loves everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that, the power of the invitation is not that he extended it. The power of the invitation was realized when they accepted it. When they dropped everything, James and John says, they immediately left their nets and their father 
and followed him. The power of the, the invitation is not that he extends it because that's just his character. The power of the invitation is when you accept it and you act upon it. And so today I'm very excited to introduce a language and a pathway that's going to take a diverse group. As I look out, I see people from every walk of life, from every socioeconomic um, standpoint, from every culture that is that makes up this beautiful country, this rainbow nation, of uh, this cultures where maybe we know each other and we can live among each other, but can we live together in community? It will take a language, a common language. Language creates culture, doesn't it? Language is a key part of your culture. So what if we had a common language? Now, regardless how long you follow Christ or how shortly you follow Christ, no matter how long you've been in the church or how you just showed up and you have no idea if cake is always the way we do church. If it is, you're probably sold on it. But what if we had a common language and a common culture? I believe that we have found at least a way. Not perfect, but a way. And as Pastor Randy said from the beginning, and we will continue to say, North Place Church is a disciple-making community. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean to be a disciple. If I, 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 if I cornered every single one of you, and I probably will today, what is a disciple? How would you define that? More so, how would you recognize a disciple of Jesus? See, we have to ask the question, do we, do our lives, if we identify as disciples, if you identify as a disciple, do your lives look like the ones described in scripture? You go to the book of Acts and it says, does your life look anything like the lives of those in the book of Acts? And at the end of the day, what would it take? What would it take for our lives in our ordinary everyday lives? Not just for the hour you turn it on and turn it off on Sunday and for the special holidays, especially when we offer cake. What would it look like? See, the Greek word for disciple is the word for learner. That's what a disciple is. So at North Place Church, our answer to the question, what is a disciple? Get this, it's going to be learning to be like Jesus and learning to do what Jesus would do. That's it. What is a disciple? Learning to be like Jesus and learning to do what Jesus would do. If you don't remember anything else today from what I say, remember that. What is a disciple? It's not someone who can win at Bible trivia. It's not someone who does good works. It is learning to be like Jesus and learning to do what Jesus would do. You see, we're going to disciple people the way Jesus did. He called 12 ordinary, unlikely people, and he put them together, and he invited them to be his learners. Learn from me, walk with me, be with me, and do. And eventually you will do what I do. In fact, he said, greater things than these will do. Greater not in the sense of you will replace my divinity, but at the same time, scope and in reach, and eventually the whole world. You see, for too many times, for too long in too many places, we as a church, both locally and around the world, so it's not just us, but around the world, we have focused on building the church. And yet this is exactly why the world today looks at us and says, you don't look anything like what you say a disciple is. See, I, people have said, I like your Jesus, but I don't like his followers because they don't look anything like Jesus. God help us. God forgive us. And may the world forgive us. But you see, this is exactly, we, dis, we struggle to define what a disciple is, and we struggle to identify what a disciple does. Because at the end of the day, Jesus has called you not to build the church. He never told us to build the church. He only mentioned the church twice in the Gospels. One of those was a time where he actually was dealing with conflict, and the second time was saying that he would build the church. 
Jesus said, I, Jesus, am going to build the church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He never told us to build a church, but he did tell you and I to do one job. You have one job to do, and that is to be and to make disciples, according to Matthew 28. Takes a little bit of the pressure off, doesn't it? And it's been said, if you make disciples, you'll always get the church. But if you try to build the church, you seldom get disciples. And here we are in the situation that we often are in. So that's why we're so excited. I'm excited, if no one else is, about finding clarity about what a disciple is and how to become a more fully developed one. And I'm going to tell you today, this is not a program. Because programs begin and end. This is a process. And this is a pathway. Remember how I said language creates culture? We are going to in, we're going to inject you, we're going to inoculate you, not with a COVID vaccine, but with something far greater and far more time-tested, <laughs> all right? This doesn't come from a lab except for the labs of heaven, where we are going to inoculate you with the DNA of a disciple. It's a process. It will not happen instantly. It happens over time. These, these 12 men spent three years, day in, day out, sleeping, eating, walking, complaining, being reprimanded by the one and only and it still didn't work out too great at the beginning, did it? It's a process, but it's also a pathway. And I use that word intentionally because a pathway is, there's something very interesting to pathway. It doesn't matter who walks on it. That pathway will take you in a certain direction. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter how much money you have in your pocket. The same pathway will take every single person in the same way. And that's true relationally, it's true financially, it's true emotionally, it's true, true spiritually, vocationally. It's called the principle of the path. The funny thing about a principle is it's not something that somebody, again, a colonial idea implemented on you. All right? It's not something that is meant to, well, if you have the straight and narrow path is meant to rob you of your joy. The path is, is, explains simply why some individuals attain the life that they always wanted and some don't. And the principle explains why there are some people who do well in life and there are other people and don't. And it has nothing to do with money or intelligence. I've sat with too many people in this room that told me that they came from nothing and they defied the odds and they became extraordinarily something. But they followed the right path. And so, so many people, but somebody, here's the problem. So many people decide to go their own direction of life, to walk their own path. I don't want to walk this path. I want to walk this path. And then they cry out for a solution when that path that they chose doesn't take them where they want to go. And they want a solution. But I'll tell you one thing. It's not, I'm here to tell you, it's not a solution. It's not a solution. You need a new direction. You need to change the direction. And so any area of our life where we struggle to live, be, and act like Jesus, we don't need a solution. You can come to the pastor and we can pray. You can come to the church and we can gather around you. But at the end of the day, there's nothing that we can say that's going to change the direction of your life until you change the direction of your life. And that's why we say, at the end of the day, you don't need a solution. You need a process and you need a new pathway. But it's going to take time and it's going to take a change of direction. You're going to have to choose to take change the direction of your life. And so that brings me to the principle of the path. It's simple and it's right here on the screen. And it's on the card that you have on your seat today. It says, direction, not intention determines your destination. You could have all the great intentions of the world, but if you don't go in the right direction, whatever direction you're taking will not take you there. So I want you to take out this card with me today. And I want you to look at that hard because you'll see, as pastor said, we are a disciple-making community embodied by Christ 
compassion and community. That we will follow the pathway, it will take us in the way we wanna go. I love what my wife has said many, many times. She says, you don't stumble your way into an intentional life. You choose your way. So wherever you are today, like it or not, you chose to get there that way. Well, you don't understand where I'm coming from. You don't know what I face. You don't know, I, I, I don't, I really don't. But at the end of the day, do you like where you are? And if not, are you gonna keep doing what you've always done? They say that if you keep on doing what you've always done and you expect different results, that's, definition, that's not a definition of intensity, consistency, that's the definition of insanity. And I don't think anybody here wants to be labeled that. So at the end of the day, we wanna invite you on a pathway. See, the power of an invitation is not found in its extension, it's always been there. The power of the invitation is realized when you accept it and go on the path. See, this invitation is the same that Jesus did. We're not trying to do anything different, we're simply trying to do what Jesus did. Jesus invited his followers into an intimate relationship with him while also issuing a challenge to change their behaviors he either knew were wrong or unhealthy. See, there are just things that you do that you've always done, but you're always getting what you've always got. And maybe it's time to change some things. Maybe there are good things that you need to change. Maybe there are good things you need to stop changing. And we're gonna invite you to take a look at those things. But the pathway we've chosen to invite you on is full of invitation and it's full of challenge. The invitation, because it's all about being invited into a relationship. This is not a class, as we said. This isn't a program. This is a relationship with each other. But it's also a challenge. The challenge to live in the identity that Christ created you to be in. For you maybe to discover it for the first time or for to, re to fall in love with it all over again like I'm doing. I've been a follower of Jesus since I was five years old. And since I've just began to try out these tools, I have fallen in love with Jesus in a whole new way. And so we're gonna invite you to, to, for the invitation, but we're gonna invite you to apply the challenge because discipleship is not a random assortment of activities that you're involved in, but it's, a, it's, a, it's where you become more like Jesus. And this is what we wanna see. We don't want people, and if this is you, then, then this isn't for you. We don't want people, and we don't wanna produce people who simply understand forgiveness. We don't want people who simply know about prayer. We don't want people that think about and talk about missions or justice and only do it intellectually. We want people who can and do forgive. We want people who can and do missions locally and globally. We want people who can, will, and are doing justice and can respond when God leads them. We want to produce people who have hearts that break for this world and people in it and do something about it. We want you to learn to be like Jesus and, not or, and do something about it. So at the end of the day, anybody and everybody that you encounter will see you and will see someone who looks like the people that are talked about in scripture. Acts 4.3 said, when they saw, when a certain group of people saw that the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. So we want you to take this card today. And there's a Wi-Fi password that's gonna be on the screen. Whether it's now or as we celebrate today, 
or at the end of the day, you're going to take this card and there's a QR code on the back. You're going to scan that code and you're going to be taken to a, a website. And it's going to invite you to create a profile. And it's going to invite you to take an assessment that you will begin to look at where you have strengths in your spiritual journey in five different categories. But then it will also show you areas where you can grow. No one will see that assessment. No one will call you and judge you. But then we invite you to get the results, download that, preserve that, and then join us. And there's two dates on the card. This Thursday, 17th of February, in this building, just upstairs, we're going to gather and we're going to be trained in the language, in the culture of discipleship. We'll t talk about the basics and what that looks like and how you're going to find a relationship, someone to walk with you in this journey and on this path. And then we're going to invite you for a second week where we learn a few more details. But at the end of the day, we're going to launch you on a pathway, a journey, a process that if you are committed to it and if you choose a new direction, then you will reach a new destination as you learn to be and do like Jesus. Does that sound exciting? Does that sound challenging? I hope it sounds like both. But at the end of the day, it's up to you. Direction not intention, will determine your ultimate destination. I hope you join us on this journey and learn to be and learn to do like Jesus. God bless you today. We hope that you will join us. Thanks, Pastor Andy. We don't have cake every week, but we do have donuts, by the way. Just so you know, we've always had donuts. Um, we are so excited about this. That QR code is access for you. It's access for every person in this room uh, to a Discipleship Dynamics survey. Uh, this is not something we created. There are researchers and, and brothers and sisters in Christ who created this incredibly powerful tool that really uh, summarize what it means to be a disciple. And when you take this survey, what it does is it really helps you to understand where you are in relationship with this. And so uh, we provided you the access to the Wi-Fi. Please, before you leave today, take time, do that survey. I've done it. It doesn't take uh, very long. It does take a little bit of time. Make sure you do that. We want you all to come out this Thursday night, be a part of this. Look, I know many of you, you've been to Bible school, you've been to all kinds of Bible classes. There's all kinds of information out there. Information is not the problem. When it comes to following Jesus, we've never had more information than we've ever had in history accessible to us than we have right now. Information is not the problem. What is the problem is community, where we're connected together and we grow together. And being a disciple is not about a transference of information. It's a transference of relationship. And so what this whole thing is all about is really us coming together and us walking one by one together in becoming followers of Jesus. You've never had an opportunity to do this before, and we're inviting you to come and to do it with us. We're so very excited about it. Because the truth is, for every one of us, no matter who we are, Jesus looks at us and he says, follow me. Perhaps you came here today, and perhaps you're like the Ethiopian eunuch. Perhaps in some ways you're on the margins of society. Perhaps you don't fit in. Perhaps the church world wouldn't receive you. Perhaps you came here to, 
like me today, and perhaps there are things in your life that are all too ready to point out to you the things that disqualify you and the things that, that, t- that tell you that you're not good enough or that you'll never make it or that you can't be successful in following Jesus. Well, the message today is that Jesus looks at you just as he looks at me and he says, follow me. He qualifies us. His love His mercy, His compassion, His grace, His desire for us to have relationship with our Heavenly Father qualifies every single one of us in this room. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes for just a moment. The worship team is going to come and they're going to join me here on stage. But if you would, please don't move around for a moment. Please just close your eyes. I'm going to ask you to just take a moment and allow, allow what the Spirit of the Lord is trying to say to us today to just begin to settle into your heart. Regardless of who you are, regardless of where you've come from, regardless of what's going on in your life or what brought you here today, regardless of what other people think about you or the truth is, regardless of even what you think about yourself, I want you to just as your eyes are closed, I just want you to hear this very clearly. God loves you. He desires relationship with you. He desires relationship with you so much that he stepped out of eternity and stepped into this earth and he allowed himself to be falsely accused, prosecuted, and nailed to a cross to pay the price for your sin and to pay the price for my sin. He doesn't need us to be good enough. He doesn't need us to be right or righteous. He doesn't need us to have our lives all together because he's paid the price truth is many of you have heard this message before some of you have heard it many 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 times but right here right now today the question that the Lord is asking every one of us in this room is will you follow me will you follow me and with your eyes closed for just a moment We bless every man, woman, and child from the youngest to the oldest. May they know today that they have been chosen by God, that he looks at them, he loves them, and he's called them, follow me because you're valuable, because I care about you, and I desire a relationship with you. Lord, I ask all of these things in Jesus' name. God, give us four more, eight more, 12 more, 20 more years to be light in this city. May your kingdom come. And Lord, may we be a part of that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you. Have a phenomenal week in the Lord.